Hi there, I'm Jolyn McCarthy and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Bill D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth Management, and Mike Pisani, Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Jolyn, how are you? Good, thank you. Michael? All right. Hey, Phil. Phil. Hi, Jolyn. Our first question, Phil, is from John in New York. What do you think about China's move to outlaw Bitcoin? Yeah, so one of our primary concerns has always been the potential for governments around the world to come out with their own systems uh, and outlaw uh, these currencies. Now, China, right, socialist country, um, really uh, wanting to keep track of how their citizens pay for goods, giving all private pay systems, whether it's Alipay or WeChat, uh, as well as um, crypto currencies, uh, much like Bitcoin, uh, the boot and saying that we want our citizens to only use our sovereign currencies. Um, so if you if you look at the value of crypto and, and if you look at the blockchain technology, look, we all agree blockchain is very useful, very important and, and to making secure transactions globally. Um, but we also see uh, the the spreads, right, and the costs of doing business in these various currencies um, China also want to make sure, uh, just like you saw in Afghanistan, when people and money left the country, uh, that large sums of money don't leave their country vis-a-vis -vis crypto. So uh, it is interesting. I would expect more of it. I would also expect, as we've said, you know, starting about five years ago, there's no reason why all of the uh, sovereign nations of the world can't come up with some sort of blockchain technology, whether it's the Federal Reserve, you know, the Bank of China, obviously they're working on it. Um, and ultimately, uh, it will be very hard to have stores of value other than for black market reasons um, in, in these cryptocurrencies. So interesting. Um, I think you're going to see more of that. And you're certainly seeing China continue the crackdown um, as, as she gets into his third term on anything they don't agree with and really leaning in towards uh, the Maoist policies. So continues uh, to, to be quite interesting what's going on in China, how it affects the global economy. Uh, let's see what the ultimate effect is on Bitcoin. I know on that news, you know, it lost uh, quite a bit, over 20 percent. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I think it's really a control thing. Yeah. They're regulating like crazy. They, they're afraid that assets are going to fly out of their country, which is probably the case. They're over leveraged and they want to make sure they keep as much capital in the country as they possibly can. And crypto is the easiest way to get it out. Convert Chinese yuan over to crypto and it's gone. So it's way Especially if you were ahead. You know, interesting, Mike, you brought up a good point. Maybe when you look at the problems that could be there, right, in the real estate markets, uh, if you had to devalue the yuan and if that got out into the market, maybe you want to head that off by blocking crypto leaving that country. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, if this if this crisis is large enough and there was a possible devaluation in the yuan, maybe they're trying to stem capital outflows that way. Good point. Yeah. OK, Mike, our second question is from Bill from Buffalo. What does monetizing the national debt mean and how does that impact interest rates? 
So we're talking about basically how the government capitalizes itself here. So anytime that the deficit is as wide as it is, the, the, treasure, the United States Treasury issues bonds to finance itself, right? And the government also has a printing press to help pay for this stuff as well. So a lot of people correlate the government's balance sheet and finances to an individual person's balance sheet, like the household income. And that's just not the case because... Households don't exactly have a printing press where they can just create currency out of thin air. But basically what's happened, everything is different in the post-financial crisis environment. Years ago, the Treasury would issue debt and you had buyers of that debt, which would be banks, individual citizens, uh, money market, uh, mutual funds and foreign countries. Now there's a lot of debt that's being issued around the world. So you've seen an absence of the buying of U.S. treasuries by a lot of foreign countries simultaneously in a time period where the budget deficit has really expanded. Did during the financial crisis, it's done even more so with the response to COVID due to all of the stimulus efforts that we've initiated. So what's happening is our deficit's expanding, the government's issuing more debt, and who is the natural buyer of that debt? The government, the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is basically out there doing quantitative or executing quantitative easing, buying this debt off of the bank balance sheets and buying it directly from the Treasury when it gets issued so that the Federal Reserve is natural buyer of U.S. debt. Um, it's doing this in a way that really keeps interest rates low, because when you have a buyer of debt that's not the Federal Reserve, they actually care about the amount of interest that they get paid over the course of time to compensate themselves for the amount of debt the United States government has. But the fact of the matter is the Fed just continuously pushes the buy button like crazy. It doesn't matter what interest rate they're buying the debt at. And the government's basically financing itself. And every single year, all of the interest payments that are accumulated on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, they send right back to the Treasury. So it's kind of like a symbiotic thing where the government has found a way to finance itself. And as long as these stimulus measures continue to remain in place and the government continues issuing debt, and the budget deficit's relatively wide, it's very unlikely that the Federal Reserve can actually stop quantitative easing because somebody has got to be the natural buyer of the United States debt as it's issued by the Treasury. So that's exactly how the government is actually financing itself. So if the Fed steps back and the Treasury continues issuing debt at the same clip and pace as it is now, you're probably going to see interest rates migrate higher. It's a supply-demand thing, right? So the reason that we're seeing debt levels as high as we are right now on the government side and the fact that interest rates haven't gone up is because the Federal Reserve is keeping low. So if QE stops and the Treasury has to issue a lot of debt, you're going to see interest rates run higher. As long as QE is going on, interest rates are probably going to stay really low. And that's the same thing that's happening around the world, too. Japan's doing it. Europe and the European Central Bank is doing it. Pretty much everybody's doing this now. Okay. Well, thank you both for answering this week's two questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit, please email us at jmccarthy at focus.mdnt.com. Stay safe, and we will see you next week.